Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio, the Puck Podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Nick Pollock, as always, and I'm once again joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Doug Leeson and Jacob Cheris. Real quick, Doug, I always find it entertaining whenever I write your name down on my little intros here, my computer always wants to autocorrect it to lesson. Do you get that? All the time. Uh, I, I taught for two years, and there was, I mean, by the end of the school year, I'm still getting Mr. Lesson all the time. Yeah. I feel like until I... uh until computers finally got smarter. I like back in the day, I remember like in high school and stuff, every single time I wrote my last name, it would change to Polka every single time. <laughs> so I understand, I understand the struggle. See, I, I feel that kind of too. Cause like every single time, like they tried to say my last name, they would like cherish. I'm like, there's no H, there's no H at the last, uh, at the end of my last name. And people would still say it. So See, the, of, the first time I saw your last name, I thought it was like French Canadian. I thought it was Cherie. It's huh? actually Russian. It's actually like huh. Russian. Like apparently it was like really, really long, but they shortened it. So, but no, I, I guess I have a little Russian blood in me. So I'm part speaking of, that. of speaking of um, mispronunciations. I find I I find it really annoying that nobody and maybe it's maybe I'm just reading the media guide wrong. But from what I understand. Liam Soulier's last name is supposed to be pronounced Soulier, and it has not been pronounced like that a single time on a broadcast this year. Yeah, I think they're 0 for 6 because that's the, the media guide's very clear. It's yay at the end, but yeah. a lot of Soulier from, uh, from BTN and, and the other guys. Yeah. I, <laughs> that reminds me, this is not hockey related, but the best, the single best pronunciation guide thing I've ever seen um, on Ohio State's football team, one of their defensive backs, his name is Seven Banks. It's spelled S E Y V N. The pronunciation guide literally is the number seven. It's fantastic. <laughs> There's a Sabres prospect, uh, goalie prospect. Like, imagine what um, this pronunciation guide, Uka Pekka Lukanen. Uka Pekka Lukanen. <laughs> hmm. I, think I, like, I think I've seen that guy and there's like eight hyphens in there. Or like <laughs> three. Yeah. It's like a souped up version of Nikita Pavlichev. I'm still proud of my. I'm, I'm still proud of myself for how quickly I learned how to say that one. That's a fun one to say. Mm-hmm. I miss. I miss that man. Speaking of Nikita Pavlichev and moving on from the years past, this is not the same Penn State team that we've seen. You like that transition, Doug? This is not the same Good. Penn State team that we've seen in the last few years. Uh, getting off to a one in five start, very similar to another Penn State team, uh, but it. You know, it, it, it wasn't the best start for our Nittany Lions. Started out in Minnesota, lost their first two, 4-1 and 3-2. Went over to Wisconsin, lost 6-3 and 7-3. Came home for the first time in the year, lost to Michigan 3-1. But then they finally bounced back and won the last one 9-5, which leaves a nice taste in all of our mouths for this podcast. But I think it is important to remember that that big win was preceded by five losses. So, I don't know, just broad give me some broad takeaways from those first six games let's start with you Jacob well obviously for a young team like Penn State it's going to take a lot of time to develop chemistry and the underclassmen are still getting used to playing at a collegiate level so it's going to take time passes are not going to be crisp uh that's like the one thing that I could think of that uh, chemistry related and you know you're not going to be able to communicate well, like who's covering this guy? No, you're supposed to cover that guy. But they got better in the game. And Guy Godowski talked about that. But he also, the main thing he talked about was playing to Penn State's identity, which is fast paced hockey. You're good on transition, you move the puck quickly from north south. So, and, and they didn't really deserve to win those five games. And quite simply, 
they just could not match the uh, the opposition speed. Minnesota is a fast team. Wisconsin is a fast team. Penn State's defense is not known for its speed. You know, Clayton Phillips is the best skater on that team, and he's not the fastest. So the other defensemen aren't the greatest either. And the Wisconsin series, Wisconsin forwards just could not stop moving in the offensive zone, and Penn State could not keep up with the Wisconsin defense. So those are my uh, biggest takeaways for the first couple of series. They just could not match the speed. Doug, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree with the take on the speed and also the chemistry. I think as the games went on, we saw at least the forward lines develop some chemistry, um, but not not enough to really compete with with all three teams, which I think we agree are a couple steps ahead of Penn State. Um, another problem is that the defense, same thing. I just don't think they have the talent. They're too young, and they, they just have a lot of problems right now. So that all kind of trickles down into the net. The goalies, Audio played four games. Soulier, Soulier played two. They let in a couple soft ones, and also the defense hung them out to dry a lot. So Penn State gave up four goals, three goals, six, seven, three, and then five. So none of that can be considered, you know, a good performance by a single goalie. Even in the win, they gave up five goals. So Penn State's offense, I still have some hope for, especially because of what we saw in the last Michigan game. But on defense and in net, I don't know what the what the solution is because there's a lot of problems there. Yeah, I think something that Jacob mentioned was just about the visual difference in the passing. It's it's been really apparent, especially on power plays, like he said. And I, the last one I'm thinking about is Michigan, since that was the last game, and that might be an unfair advantage, just or unfair comparison, just because of how much talent Michigan has. But you you can see, and they did start to turn. Penn State's passing on the attack really did start to turn around in that last game, but. Before then, it, it was very apparent that maybe it's a chemistry thing. Maybe it's just an experience playing collegiate hockey, remembering that so many of these guys are freshmen. Um, but you could just tell the difference in the passing. Like they they just weren't going to tape to tape. Everything wasn't. They weren't really hitting hitting sticks right where they should. It was always just a little bit off. They they couldn't really get to a place where they could consistently. Uh, dish up one-timers to each other like that that just wasn't really a part of the offense and I think that's something that'll come but yeah to me that was the that was the biggest difference between Penn State and their opponents over these first six is just overall crispness um and I have some other thoughts about the goalies as well and the defense in general and we'll get to that um but before we do I guess before we go into the next thing and talk about some individual players I just want to kind of focus on this last game, this first win of the season, that nine, five win. What did you guys see? And Jacob, I'll start with you. What did you see that was different about Penn state in the win as compared to their losses? Well, I think they played really a 200 foot game. They were really good on defense and they got off to a really fast start. So key against Michigan teams like that. You got to score first and they scored two goals in I don't know what the time span was. They got a quick one from Marnie Telvidia, and then Jared Westcott answers right after that. But then they kind of fell flat. They blew that lead, and it was kind of a track meet from there. You know, so those kind of games don't really want to win. Well, well, it was it was high scoring, so that means there's still work to be done. But my biggest takeaway from that game, Oscar Audio is developing more confidence. He was actually very, very smooth with his movements, which was something that was not 
evident in the past games. So also that was my biggest takeaway. And also puck movement was very, very good. Doug, what about you? Well, let me tell a quick story. When I was a freshman, uh, that was the 2014-15 season. That was, that was the first time I covered the team. Uh, and this was for Onward State at the time. And that year, I went to every single home game except one. And the one game I missed was, uh, I think the story of it was, whoever they were playing, I think Minnesota was up 3 nothing in the last minute of the game. And then David Goodwin scored. Casey Bailey scored two goals in the last minute of the game. And then Casey Bailey finishes the hat trick in overtime. And that was the one home game I didn't go to this year, or that year in 2014-15. Which is, to, which is to say... I watched the first five games, and then this one's behind a paywall. So I don't know. I saw the scoreboard. <laughs> Penn State scored nine goals. I'm not sure what happened. I was hoping for your guys' takes. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. At least uh, you got to go to a game. I think you're yeah. not you're not alone this time though, because uh, Michael Green, our other hockey writer, he also didn't watch this nine five win, and he watched all the previous ones. So I don't know. Maybe but I think maybe that's the key. Guys. Michael yeah. and I are going to stay on the bench. <laughs> I, there is there's something that's always. I mean, I hate that there are games that have to be behind the paywall. I mean, I get it. It's not like a major college hockey is not the forefront of the, of America's mind. I get it, but it's always entertaining when they are on BTN plus, because I love how the camera just doesn't turn off how in the middle of periods, (laughs) you just watch the Zamboni go. And when there's fans in the state, when there's fans in the stands, you see whatever between period show is going on. I know it's during this one, even though there is no one in the arena, it sounds like they're still playing the, um, like the little like player like gets no Jimmy Dow Jr. Like those little things that just come on the come on the uh, the big screen and you could still hear him go and it was pretty funny. It's always entertaining to me. It was a lot of fun. My senior year, I was I was at a game as a fan in the in the roar zone and did the um, uh, musical chairs. They called down me and my friend and then two other guys. We did the musical chairs. My friend Kyle and I put on a clinic and then Kyle ended up winning. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So it's good. to I never thought about that. It's good to know it's on. Uh, oh yeah it's being streamed you can't yeah you can't always see it but you can always hear it it's pretty hilarious (laughs) speaking of guys that are having fun let's talk about kevin wall kevin wall that's another transition for you doug kevin wall is somebody who i'm not gonna say he was disappointing last year because i don't think we were necessarily expecting too much from him i it was a upperclassman laden roster last year there's a ton of returning talent they didn't really need anyone new necessarily to step up but Kevin Wall this year looks to be taking a step forward. He's already got three goals, three assists, six points through the first six games. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say he's been the best offense. I think somebody's been better than him overall, but I think he's been the best purely offensive performer on the team so far. Um, Jacob, I know you wrote a piece about him. What have you seen from his game that has helped him elevate his play this season? He He's playing the best he's playing two-way hockey he's playing excellent in the defensive zone and he's playing excellent in the offensive zone he's causing so many turnovers which is which is something that we haven't seen really from the other underclassmen he, he's great on the forecheck and when he gets the puck he's making smart decisions with it that's why he's been so good we weren't really expecting a breakout season from him like i mean yeah, we weren't really expecting a breakout season this year, so it's going to be interesting to see because I think he'll probably be a captain next season or or something along those lines. But, yeah, he's playing a 200-foot game 
he he's doing all the right things. He's great on the four check, causing a bunch of turnovers. He's blocking shots. He's obviously putting up the point. So that's my biggest thing for Kevin Wall. I think something interesting that's happened too is that it seems like because really for the through the first uh, three or four games, he was really the only one that seemed willing to play a little bit of hero ball and just take the puck up himself and just try to do it all himself, which, you know, generally you don't, you don't want to do, you want to get your teammates involved also, but there are situations where sometimes you just have to do that. And he seemed to be the really, really the only one that was willing to do so. And then you kind of started to, you've seen that start to rub off on guys like Telvidia who brought down that one uh, against Michigan down the left side. I don't remember if it was, that was the first Michigan game or the second Michigan game. I think second. I think it was the second one. Yeah. Where he just brought it down the left side and just sniped one over man's shoulder, like no business had no business going in, but it did. And that's, you know, that's something that Penn state they've, they've had a lot of rotten luck in terms of uh, converting shots on net into goals so far, but that's the kind of thing you just have to do, especially in college hockey. Sometimes, you know, college goalies are kind of like college kickers in football in some ways, you know, it's they, as good as they are, they're going to let some weird ones in. So I, I think that's been a nice uh, byproduct of Wall's play too, is he's showing the other guys on the team and not guys that necessarily need it. Like tell VDA should know that he has free reign to do that. I would think, but I think his style is rubbing off on the other guys in positive ways as well. When we think about the other two standout individual players that we need to talk about for this part, I think not necessarily standing out in a good way, the goalies. If we talk about Liam Soulier, he's 0-2 so far. He's got a 4-5-9 uh, goals allowed, and he's an 8-30 save percentage. Oscar Adio, I'm not going to say Eric this time. Oscar Adio has been a little bit better. 1-3, 4-3-2, and 8-40. So better, but not really. What do you th- – I mean, do you guys think – Jacob, I'll start with you here. Do you think that this is something that is – you know, it's always hard to really, really talk about goalie play because it's not all them. It's a lot about the guys in front of them too. But how much of this rough start would you put on them? It's tough because I hate blaming goalies. But in the Wisconsin series, I was like, yeah, you got to have that one. That was right to you. Audio, you got to have that one. That was right to you. thing that stuck out to me about both these goalies is that rebound rebound control has not been good. And that's all on the goalies. Like the second Wisconsin goal, that was off of a bad rebound given up by Solier. So it, it, it's a 1A, 1B type tandem. So, But I think by now, Audio's won the job. But it's also like you're thrown immediately into conference play because of the pandemic. So you, there's no time to play Atlantic hockey teams like Sacred Heart or Robert Morris to really ease in adjust so that was another thing but honestly I would say 30 because in de- defense has always been a problem with this program at least since I since I got here so I would say 70 30. What do you think Doug? Uh, yeah I mean I, I think the goalies to, to put a number on how many goals they should have saved versus what's on the defense I, I would say maybe 50 50. Uh, I, I just went through the uh, kind of period by period and only once this season in six games has uh, have has the team had a first period shutout. And this is something Yikes. Jacob's talked about in the past for a young team. You want to score first. And if Minnesota, Minnesota 
in the very first game of the season, actually, they didn't score in the first period, but they scored the first two goals in the second period. Then in every other first period, the team start the, the opposing team starts out with either one or two goals in a row to get it started. So as a young team, you need your goalie to at least come out in the first 10, 20 minutes of the game, be hot and give your team a chance to win. But if, if a team like Michigan has spotted one or two goals to, to get started, they really don't have a chance. So even though it's not, again, it's not all on the goalies. If you have to pick a time for them to really step up and just show, just have a good 20 minutes, at least now, I think we want that first 20, that good 20 minutes to be the first period. And they, they have not been able to do that yet. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think that one of the reasons that's so important is that the elder statesmen on this team have not really performed up to expectations to this point, especially thinking about guys like Alex Emojin, Arne Telvedia. I know Telvedia finally started to show some signs in that this last, this most recent Michigan game. Um, but I don't know, just, uh, uh, you could talk about those guys, whoever else. What are, Jacob, what are your thoughts on just the older guys in general, whether it be Limoges or Talvidia or a guy like uh, Clayton Phillips or Paul DeNaples or any of those guys. It, 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 it's frustrating that we've gotten to this point because especially Talvidia, who's supposed to have a point per game type season and he hasn't, like he finally scored two goals in game two against Michigan, which is good. That's a good sign. That should give him confidence going forward, but still like Limoges, you know, he, he finally got a goal. He needs to be scoring more. Same with, same with Doherty. I know this is his first season as a Nittany Lion being a grad, but still, he's a grad student. He's better. He still needs to get going. And he was like the leading point scorer in, when he was with the University of Maine. So that, that it, it's really disappointing to see the under, upperclassmen underperform. I, I Hopefully, they get going, and I think they will start to get going, especially in this upcoming series against Arizona State, which they should win easily. But I don't. I don't want to say really easily, like because we don't know what the heck is going to happen. Because this, as we know, it's football. Team that they're supposed to beat, they don't beat. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting. But I think the upperclassmen should do better now that they finally got some monkeys out their back. Doug, tell me about your boy Alex Lamoge. What? Why is he not being the stud that we expect? You know, I don't know. I, I thought a lot of his success in the past was, was because of him, was a lot, uh, was led by him. The offense went through him last year. And now I think we're seeing how much uh, support Evan Barrett and Liam Folks really gave him. Um, so now Limoges, I'm going to check real quick, whose who line mates were, at least in the last Michigan game. He was with, uh, with Doherty and Xander Lampa. I don't know. I guess the offense isn't, at least at this point yet, it's not really going through him. It's going through that top line of McMenamin, Telvidier, and Wall, which is fine. Penn State's always been a team that's been able to roll four lines. But assuming that the Limoges line is always going to be in the top six, they're going to need a little bit more. So Limoges, I, th- I still think he can be the guy on that line who is getting at least an assist on every goal, or at least for the goals he's not scoring by himself. But Tim Doherty, I like that you brought that up, Jacob. He was, I think, a point per game, maybe above a point per game last year at Maine. So to come in and have three points in six games, two of which were in that the, the nine-goal game against Michigan, he needs to kind of step it up as well. As you said, grad student, he's, what, like 27 years old? No, he's 20, 
No, he's 25 years old. So he should be a guy who should be kind of steady in the lineup, but he's been up and down and it took him till game six to kind of get comfortable. So that second line, uh, Limoges especially, yeah, they, they have to get going. Yeah, I, I feel like Limoges is going to get there. And like, like you said, it's definitely been disappointing, but I, I do, we probably underestimated the effect of going from playing with Evan Barrett and Liam Folks to playing with not Liam, not uh, Evan Barrett and Liam Folks. So I, I, I agree. I think I'll get there, but yeah, it would, it would certainly help if Darty could do something, you know, more, more than at least more than what he's given to this point. Another guy that's been disappointing is Sam Sternshine. He was a healthy scratch in game two against Michigan. He pretty sure he led the team in goals last season and he didn't really get a lot of playing time because, but this season I was really hoping for him to really break through and he hasn't, he, has, he hasn't scored yet. That's a, and do you really, do you put him back in against Arizona state? Cause it's Arizona state or do you leave things how it is and keep Sternshine out of the lineup? I think that's a, probably the biggest question going into this next series. I think Jacob, that's a good question because I think it's – You just it's, stole one of my answers to a question coming up. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point about what what is Sternshine's role now because if they counted on him to be a veteran who can put up some points, they gave him five games to do that. Then the the one game they benched him, Penn State scores nine goals. And a lot of freshmen like Chase McLean, uh, the transfer, Bobby Hampton. Uh, McLean scores a goal. Hampton scores two. Jimmy Dowd scores. And a couple guys just come in and, and Westcott scores – a couple guys come in and and really show that they're offensive threats when Sternshine couldn't. So that's that's going to be something to follow the next couple of games. Yeah, Ed, I'm gonna I'm gonna rearrange my order of questions here just so I can continue this conversation about Sternshine. Uh, I was going to ask you guys who who your biggest disappointment so far of the year was, and for me, it's Sternshine. It's this is a guy that uh, I believe tied for the team lead in goals a year ago, or was second behind by like a goal maybe. Uh, but he's somebody who was really active on the offensive end last year. And it just hasn't been that way this year. And yeah, it's, I think there's, there have to be some legitimate questions asked now about what he is like, what, what is his role going forward? Like you guys said, because clearly, clearly the freshmen are talented. I, we, I think we'd all agree that their games still have a lot of, have a long way to go before they're fully rounded into shape, but they clearly have talent. They clearly have the ability to put the puck in the net if given the opportunity to do so. And Sternshine is a guy that, I mean, you want to give him a little bit of a leash because you have seen what he can do. But at a certain point, you also need to continue to give these freshmen their opportunities. So how much of a leash do you really give him in that sense? Because you could really easily just drop him down to the third or fourth line and pair him with some of those freshmen and try to give a veteran presence with them. It's, it's, it's tough. It's for me that that is the biggest disappointment for me. Uh, Doug, who, how Doug, who's the biggest disappointment for you so far? Uh, It's, it's kind of hard to target one specific player who's, who's maybe not playing up to expectations, but I would either say, Maybe that top pairing on defense, because the whole defense, they've had their problems, but I don't want to say, well, this this freshman defender on the third pairing, well, he's, I mean, that's it, fine. That's that's where you're supposed to be if you struggle. So for Phillips and Naples should be, uh, of course they can't, but they're really should be expected to never let a goal in when they're on the ice because the rest of the defense, they're going to let in a ton, and that's just is what it is. So I think they they need to be playing a little bit better, and then 
the goalies are uh, it's another another two guys audio and Soulier. again they're inexperienced they're very young uh, they might not have the talent it hasn't developed yet but it, it would be nice if they you know played a little better I think the biggest thing for Denaples is, and it, not necessarily that you, for a guy like him who's not going to be as involved on the offensive end, you don't necessarily want to hear a defenseman's name that often. But I feel like I haven't even noticed when he's on the ice. Like I, right. until this last game where I feel like he, or I guess the whole Michigan series, I guess is fair. I finally started. He started laying down some pretty nasty hits, which was good to see. But until then, I feel like I, you, I wouldn't have been able to pick him out from anyone else. He, he was just totally invisible. I totally agree with that. He, he, he needs to be on the ice blocking shots, using his stick to break up plays, which is something that he was really good at. But I think also part of that is that he played with Cole Holtz all of last season. Cole Holtz was amazing. He was big 10 player of the year, defensive player of the year. So Fun. I think he's again. It's another chemistry issue about with Clayton Phillips. Fun fact: Take a guess. Who do you guys think is leading the team right now in block shots? It's not oh. Paul De Naples. He is. He is second, but he's not leading. Christian Berger. Doug. Mm, Evan Bell. Connor McMenamin. Really. Oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had a couple of big blocks um, the other night. Yeah, he's got ten. DeNaples has nine. Bell, Phillips, Snell are tied at eight, and then Burgers after that with seven. Yeah, it's Connor McMenamin. I liked Christian Burger. Yeah, yeah, Burger. Someone I think might might come up in a second here. He's I think he had a pretty rough start in the first couple of games against Minnesota, but I think he's played really well since then. Uh, Jacob, how about for you? Biggest disappointment? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Stamps. Yes, Sam, Sam Sternshine has been by far my biggest disappointment. Arnie Talvini is another guy, but on the upside, Sam Sternshine hasn't. Like, Sternshine has a great shot. That's the one thing that sticks out to me. He has a great shot. Uh, you know, and he just hasn't found it yet, really, which is it's really disappointing, but yeah. I didn't mean to see thunder there and mess it up, but yeah, Sam Sternstein <laughs> has been very, very disappointing. Well, and I did check, and he he uh, tied Evan Barrett for the team lead last year with 12 goals, and Sternstein actually played fewer games than Barrett, so goal per game, uh, Sternstein had the most. There you go. It is worth noting, too, that he, I think we mentioned that he did miss this this last Michigan game due to injury, so it is it is worth asking, wait, am I wrong? Was he just a healthy scratch? No, I, I, I thought, thought they he said was he was a healthy hurt. scratch. All right. Well, I'll look that up while right. I pass something off to one of you. I thought I heard something about oh, it being okay. hurt. Um, so I'll, I'll hold off on that thought for the time being. But instead, for now, let's flip it over to the happier side of things. Jacob, who's the guy who's been the most pleasant surprise for you? The guy you think has been the best player on the team to this point? And yes, I am ready to fight you on this. So go ahead and make your case. <laughs> Jimmy Dowd Jr the best player in that game two against Michigan. Look, this guy is was excellent moving the puck. He, he, he was great at finding players. And his goal, what really stood out to me, he drove to the scoring area in front of the net. He saw a gap, and he was so active. Like, he went to the front of the net, 
And I think it was Sarlo who, who fed him that perfect tape-to-tape pass, and he just potted it in for a layup. So he also had an outstanding assist. So he, he's been my guy that's been all over the place and was, in my opinion, the best player. Fair enough. Doug? <laughs> uh, puck don't lie, Kevin Wall. Go Hurricanes. Shout out to Love it. For me, it's Jared Westcott. And I think that both your answers are legitimate as well. But, um, and actually, and while you're, while you guys were talking, apparently I was wrong. I, it's, I don't see any news about Sam, Sam Sternstein being hurt. I thought I heard that somewhere. Maybe I heard it on the broadcast. I don't know, but whatever it was, it looks like he was just a healthy scratch. So, um, but yeah, for me, the best player has been Jared Westcott. I think he has been, Maybe not as much on the defensive end, really, but I think he has been dynamic offensively. I think he has done a fantastic job with setting up, and it hasn't always led to assists, but I think he's done a fantastic job of setting up his guys for easy shots. Uh, he did have a great assist to, I believe it was Christian Sarlo, whose goal he assisted on in one of the earlier games. So it's just a fantastic play. But really, I think the thing that stood out to me on the offensive end with him is he does such a great job of keeping the puck and circling the puck around the back end. He does, especially behind the net. He's great behind the net. He does an awesome job of shielding guys off long enough for his guys to get into position. I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. Going wide as well. He's, he's somebody who just overall, really in in every way on the offensive end, especially for his age, I've been really, really impressed with him. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, for me, it's no question. It's been Westcott and he finally got rewarded with a goal um, in this, uh, that last Michigan game. He, on the season, he has five points. He has a goal and four assists. Um, So he's been impressive to me. And he's someone I think, I think he needs to shoot a bit more too. He only has nine shots on the year. I think he's somebody who would benefit from taking a few more. Um, Yeah. I'm a big fan of what Jared Westcott's done. I thought I was going to take some heat for you know, because before before the podcast, where Nick was like, "I'm ready to fight you on this one, Jacob." But how about how about how about, how about this? Dowd is the best. He's been the best defenseman. Westcott has been the best forward. It's, it's yeah. not that I think Dowd has been bad. I just think Westcott's been right. better. Yeah, like I think Jimmy Dowd has easily been the most impressive defenseman. I think Phillips has started to pick up his play, but overall, I've been really impressed with Jimmy Dowd. Side note: Did you guys see the Penn State hockey tweet? of uh who was it it was mclean westcott dowd and uh bobby hampton all holding up their first first collegiate goal pucks i didn't see that yeah so i i I will attach this tweet to the uh to the post for this on ruralinesroar.com so everyone can see it you could tell me that jimmy dowd and jared westcott are like seventh grade best friends and that chase mclean is their like sophomore in high school older brother and i would 100 percent believe you those kids look like they are 13 years old it is pretty wild i can see doug pulling it up on his phone right now oh my gosh yeah westcott and dowd you said yeah, yeah they, they look like middle schoolers good it for is them. jarring it is jarring i don't i don't maybe i just haven't noticed it with other guys before but they look particularly young especially for hawk i mean because what they have to at least both be like 20 that's right yeah Man, yeah, and I know they're not the youngest on the team either. I think the youngest, uh, oh, I forget who the young, I 
is it Sarlo maybe is the youngest on the team? I, I know for a fact those two are not the youngest, but yeah, you could legitimately tell me those two are middle schoolers and I'd believe you. Jimmy and Jared, if you're listening to this somehow, I'm sorry, but it, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, oh, Sarlo's the youngest on the team than, than both those other guys. I think they're 21. Dowd's 20. Westcott's 21 years old. And my favorite thing, because they look so young, like in a vacuum, if you look at Bobby Hampton's picture, totally normal for everybody. Bobby Hampton's a junior or a senior, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, like he, he yeah. looks totally normal for his age. Senior. But as compared to the other ones, you could tell me that he's like picking them up from school and I'd believe you. It's, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. All right, so on that note of the guys we're feeling best about, how about just this could be maybe a position group or just like an area of the team. I'm, I'm sure the answer is not going to be the power player, or the penalty kill, but what's the part of the team that you're feeling best about so far this year, Jacob, what do you think? I think it has to be the offense. Like special teams, like you said, have been abysmal but besides the power play in game two of Michigan uh, going four for six. Um, but yeah, special teams have been abysmal recently but yeah I, I would have to say the offense has been I guess the one bright spot there's really nothing you could point at you know I guess you could say Oscar audio and the goaltending has gotten better but yeah I like I wish I could say something about the power play or the penalty kill or even neutral zone play which has been a huge problem but yeah <laughs> This, this is going to be uh, not not a good medium for this because you're only going to hear our voices right now. But, Jacob, what shirt are you wearing? It's a bright red shirt. It says Penn State. Okay, so it's okay. So, so it's Penn a, State communication. Okay, so it's a College of Comm yeah. shirt. So it's, it's very yeah. jarring to see a bright red shirt with the Penn State logo on it. You don't see that. Yeah. Anymore. Unless it's like it's Thon or something, you don't shirt. see that. Yeah, it's not a capital shirt, unfortunately. Because <laughs> this is... Doug, how about you? What's the group or the thing? What entity about Penn State hockey are you feeling best about? What entity? Uh, probably two. Uh, probably Coach Kadowski. As always, I, I don't think any of this is really uh, the one in five start. I don't think it's really on him. I think he's been able to find working combinations that are at least working as well as they could be. And then the, the players I feel the best about is probably the freshman forwards because – you know, you have to score your first goal before you score your second and every goal after that. So we thought early in the season, it'd be Limoja, be Talvidier, who are kind of leading the offense because we thought they would have to. But as you said, I mean, Kevin Wall, I know he's not, a, he's not a freshman, but guys like him who are on the younger side and then Westcott, McLean, um, a lot of guys scored their first goals already this season and, and a couple scored their first goals in the uh, second Michigan game. So the freshman forwards, a lot of them have got that monkey off their back. They've scored their first goal. So I think they there's something to look forward to the rest of the season. I think a couple of these guys are going to score, I mean, a ton and be right up there with, with Limoges, wherever he ends up at the end of the year. Before I answer, I, I could see Jacob's eyes light up when you said something about Guy Godowski. So what, what are you thinking? Yeah, he, he, he's, at, he's been taking – he's been blaming himself, really. Like, he's been saying, like, look, I haven't been the best coach because of all the Zoom and stuff like that. Like, He's been taking a lot of accountability about the about the slow start. Um, that's, that's all I wanted to say there. Yeah, and I think he, if there's one thing that's we a, know which about, is a good thing. yeah, if there's one thing we know about Guy Gadowski, it's that he 
he he understands very he understands his rosters very well. He understands when to put more on his players and when to take some away. And I think he understands that this is a very young team and that he does need to shoulder more of that blame than maybe he is deserving of. So yeah, I think that that's one of his best qualities in my mind. Um, for me, I'm going to go with the more uh, entity side of the question. I'm going to say the most disappointing part of what this team has done so far this year. They're... Are we doing what we feel best about or worst? Oh, sorry. I, I'm skipping ahead. Worst I'm next, already right? looking at my worst. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Sorry. Best, I agree about uh, – I'm just going to say the young guys in general. I agree yeah. with what Doug was saying. I think uh, yeah. whether it's Kevin Wall or Jimmy Dowd or uh, Christian Sarlo. I liked what I've seen from Christian yeah. Sarlo as well. Um, Berger the last couple games. Yeah, Berger, Xander Lampa. Um, McMenamin has looked pretty good. Uh, now, Westcott, like I already mentioned, it's just all those guys I've been impressed with how much they seem to have already grown from game one to game six. Like they are taking strides and they're taking them quickly. Um, I think that, and we mentioned that before the season, we mentioned that it could be a rough start because of the early opponents and because of the youth. And I think we saw that, but we also mentioned how it, it was going to be a good thing in the long, in the long run, because it's, it's a bit of trial by fire. It's, they're just tossing these guys in there at the highest level of competition that they'll face in the regular season. And, it was going to be always going to be rough, but it was going to be helpful in the long run. I think we're already starting to see that pay off. Um, flipping over to the thing we're most disappointed with when I, I just, this, this, this stat just blows my mind. So that's why I was on my, on the tip, tip of my tongue there. For me, the most disappointing thing, Penn state's uh, goal percentage so far this year. So their uh, goals divided by their shots. Oh, eight, one. Oh, eight, one pretty terrible especially when you compare it with the fact that their opponents 174 so their <laughs> opponents are scoring on twice as many shots. what's michigan state uh while you answer i'll look that up for you uh but that is a shocking number and you know penn state's number in that department is always going to be lower than most just because of their offensive philosophy of just getting pucks on net they'll throw a lot of shots on net that they're not expecting to go in necessarily they're just trying to create a rebound uh more so than other opponents do they do take a lot of early shots that's how they've always been under godowski um but that is a shockingly low number and I think really tells the story, especially compared to the opponent number, really tells the story of the season so far. Yeah. I, and the pet entity, like, it, like I said earlier, has been special teams, especially the penalty kill. Um, we can talk about the power play, but power play did well against uh, Michigan in game two. So I'm not going to talk about that. Penalty kill has been really bad because they're just leaving so much open ice and Game one against Michigan, uh, Thomas Bordalo's goal, he was left alone down low. Like, no no one was covering him. Like, Evan Bell was puck watching, and then he did a backhand goal. Like, that 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 cannot happen. you got to know your guy on the penalty kill. Yep. I agree sure. with special teams being the most disappointing. So, 39 uh, teams have played college hockey this season, and guess what Penn State's rank is on the penalty kill? Oh, what? I mean, are they last? last. <laughs> They're 37 out of 39. Okay. Uh, 11 of 17 for 64%. Yeah, not great. Not great. Oh, man. 
Jacob, to answer, your early, to answer your earlier question, Michigan State's – that's who you asked about, right? Michigan State? Yeah. Their shot percentage is 0-5-2, so even worse. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought because Michigan State's offense is way worse than Penn State. Like, they, the Spartans are not good. Like, then, they lost Kodorenko. So that's why I was wondering. However, they're, they're, hold, say- they're holding opponents to 0 8 so they're doing a much better job of holding down opponents than Penn State is. Team, so and then for reference also just since it was the last team we played michigan is sporting a 107 and their opponents are 088 so makes sense strass man's a dude also to be you know the debbie downer here yes penn state's shooting percentage is better than michigan state's but i think maybe keep in mind the the last game they played it's probably inflated a little bit by scoring nine goals so that might not be what was the number nick oh eight something Right now, Penn State is 081. 081. They might be playing worse than that because I'm not going to count on nine goals on however many shots they had. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull up this box score real quick from this last Michigan game. In this game, uh, give me. Okay. So in this game, Penn State took. No, it's not going to give me the number I want. Never mind. I'll try to find it while you guys are talking. Um, but yeah, it's. I it's I'm I'm certain it's inflated based on that. Forty three shots. Usually, what happens when you score forty three that game? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) forty three shots. Um, yeah. So, all of this being said, before the season started, all three of us said that we were hoping, maybe even expecting, Penn State to go four and four across these first eight games. Already an impossibility since, or Jacob, maybe you didn't say that. I don't know. You just gave me a weird. No, thing. no, that, I, I, I did not expect them to really win any of these games. To be honest, like, well, maybe Wisconsin, but Minnesota. I had a feeling that they were going to get swept. Well, regardless, that is already an impossibility as they've already reached that five loss uh, mark. If they are able to sweep Arizona State, they would end up three and five, which you now wouldn't be terrible. But uh, I don't know. Just what. We've already we've already done a good bit, had a good bit of conversation on kind of what has gone wrong as compared to what we saw. But I don't know, like it's just overall is has this season been what you expected more or less to this point, Doug? What do you think? What I expected, I guess so because that that four and four number that we threw out was kind of the the optimistic one. What what we really wanted in these first eight games was Penn State to at least figure out some line combinations get the freshman going a little bit and be ready for the rest of the year. So to go at best three and five at worst one and seven, at least they do have some players playing well, especially the young guys. So that is something positive. So I guess now to kind of recalibrate the take on the season, it looks like Penn state's probably not going to have a big winning streak. At least I, w- I wouldn't bet on that happening. So I think this team's going to end up being a, a team that can play spoiler late in the year, probably have a, a pretty significant losing record, but maybe towards the end of the year, say Minnesota and Michigan are competing for the big 10 title and some of somebody's playing Penn state. That's when Penn state's going to get a sweep. They're going to be that type of team. Yeah. Jacob, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because they were, Penn state was literally thrown in to Minnesota, which I think is going to get second in the big 10. Then you go to Wisconsin, who's like I said, a sleeper pick. Cole Caulfield is amazing. And then Michigan, one of the best teams in the country and the best in the Big Ten. So, and, and so phase two, you know, 
you know, got probably going to be playing Michigan State soon, which they should win. Ohio State, that's going to be a bit, maybe a split. We'll see because Ohio State's actually pretty good. And Arizona State, this is a series that they need to win. They need to sweep Arizona State because I'll set the tone the rest of the season, that's for sure. Yeah, so speak- the chemistry has been building and it's almost there. Arizona State, this Arizona State series is a series to really get going. Yeah. Speaking of Arizona State, that is the series that Penn State has coming up next. As we've mentioned, Uh, we're not going to do a deep dive on them right now. uh, But just for your reference, that series is going to start on Friday, the 11th. So Penn State does get a good a good break before that series starts. And game two will be Sunday, the 13th. I assume Saturday is being skipped just because it's college football Saturday and they don't want to they don't want to compete with that. (laughs) We don't know yet. Uh times for either of those games and we also don't six. know oh no there they are yep six and two uh so but we don't know how they're going to be broadcast whether they'll be on uh general consumption television or just btn plus i i assume I since it doesn't BTN say plus. i assumed since it doesn't say on the schedule it's probably gonna end up being btn plus unfortunately but um either way on for those btn plus games make yeah. sure you're following roll lines or on twitter because we will keep you updated there um but just really quickly arizona state like you guys have mentioned they're three four and one so far this year three and one in their last four including a sweep of wisconsin who handed what i think were penn state's worst two losses of the year to this point um so it it it's not the most talented arizona state team but clearly they've got they've got some firepower there just real quick what do you guys expect to happen in those two games uh, Doug, let's start with you. Uh, probably an Arizona State sweep. At least that's where I'm leaning. Um, they, they have a fine team now. As we've already seen this season, they're going to be very streaky, very up and down, and they're, they're on the way up right now. So I, I think an Arizona State uh, sweep. But I do think, additionally, their recruiting is, I think, going to explode soon because you know who I saw wearing an Arizona State shirt the other day? Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is repping Arizona State. So their recruiting is going to blow up. So that's a team to watch in the future this year. I think they're just eh, okay. Pretty good. And I think they're going to sweep Penn state. I'm sure they will have a monopoly on all of those, uh, those high flying Southwest. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. <laughs> if you're going to pick an NHL, uh, you figure to be Austin Matthews from Arizona. So, He's in the picture as but, well. If we're talking about the same mm-hmm. picture, Nick, Austin Matthews is standing there, but uh, Connor McDavid is wearing the oh, uh, yeah, Sun right. Devils shirt. Yeah, Good for them, I but, guess. Uh, Doug, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the opposite route. I'm going to say Penn State sweeps Arizona State. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a split. I do think Penn State gets one, at least one game. Listen, Arizona State's defense is not good. If – if Penn State having celebrity fans for the basketball team ranging from, uh, let's see, Chris Kirkpatrick of InSync to Flava Flav to, let's say, Kanye wearing the Penn State jersey when he did the concert yeah. there to uh, who else have they had? There's there's one other big name I'm not thinking of that we've seen in a Penn State jersey. I'm not going to remember. But if that doesn't if that didn't have a positive impact on Penn State basketball recruiting, I'm going to I'm going to hold my <laughs> tongue a bit before I say that Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews will turn ASU into a powerhouse recruiting uh, <laughs> squad, but we'll see on that. Uh, I'm going to split the difference between you guys. I'm going to say that Penn State wins one and loses one because why not? I'm going to play the I'm going to play the middleman there just like I play the middleman on this podcast. Yeah. And speaking of this podcast, I think that's about it for today. Uh, we went a little bit longer. We 
I don't know if anyone noticed, but we had gone exactly 34 minutes on all of our previous hockey podcasts. We did go a little bit longer at this one. So I think it's about time to wrap it up. Uh, As always, if you want to follow any more of our Roar Lions, Roar Hockey content, we're pumping it out this year. We're going to keep it coming too. Make sure you're visiting RoarLionsRoar.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. And if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Uh, We're available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, if you could go ahead and drop on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and any words you'd like to say, whether positive or negative, I don't care if you put the five stars there. That's fine. Uh, but it helps us get into the get us into the ears of more people, which is good for everyone. Uh, if you'd like to support the show in another way, you can always visit our store on RoarLimesRoar.com. Pick yourself up a sweatshirt, a t-shirt, whatever you want. It's all great. You won't be disappointed. Uh, any final quick thoughts, Doug or Jacob? Uh, I'm going to go watch the Eagles. So this was fun. I'm glad I did something fun today. <laughs> Jacob. Yeah, I'll probably, if the Washington football team plays, I'll probably probably be watching them. So, there you go. Sadness for team. both of you and a good day for me. Cause I'm watching my Seahawks play the NFC East. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, with that for my co-host, Jacob, uh, I almost said Jacob Leeson and Doug Charis for my co-host, Jacob Charis and Doug Leeson for myself, Nick Pollock. Thanks for listening. Go state. Our theme song is Anita Bake by Kamewick. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. I need some faith. I can't-